Hey, g'day, mate. How you going? <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. You can have a seat. Have a seat. Wow. Man, I'm so humbled to be here. I'm so grateful to be here. I want to thank Pastor Feeney and Sini and I want to thank Jordan Jamaica just for uh, the opportunity to come and sow into your people and into your men. And, you know, the men, to be honest, I don't know whether they got a lot out of it, but I know that when I left, I felt like God was talking to me more. And I was just like, Lord, I thank you that it's inclusive, that no one has arrived at their destination. And that God doesn't really take too much about your destination. It's about the process because he wants you to reflect him more than you. Hey, and, and so, um, you know, I'm really grateful. I thank you. Um, my, my beautiful family, send their love. You know, they'll be here tomorrow. Woo-hoo! I can't wait to see them. Um, and, you know, just, we're, we're really blessed. So, we, you know, I pastor a church in the Gold Coast. We've been two years in March, just gone. And, uh, you know, we're blessed because we just sense that God wants to do something phenomenal in Australia. Where I am, they have the highest domestic violence in the country. Not in our city, in the country, in my suburb. And so we've, we've created a course, well, I haven't created a course. There's a course being created to tackle domestic violence, to put to put tools into people's hands who, who, who sometimes maybe you attack every situation with a wrench and now we're going to give you a plier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you need a different tool. Yeah, that's right. And when you get a different tool, you can have a different breakthrough. That's right. And so um, for that, I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed. And they give their love. Um, I was talking to them this morning. They're all amped that, you know, I'm in Wainui. I tell them this is my home. I don't know how much. I talk about this house and I do more than put it on. You know, I was, I was born and raised in Porirua, Cannons Creek. Um, I served <laughs> I served as a pastor there for over 15 years, uh, serving uh, Pastor Gary Stepp. I figure, if, you know, you can handle Pastor Gary, you can handle anything, man. And so, um, but to be honest, I call this home. I, I feel, you know, there's a kindredness to me and the mum and dad of this house. And, you know, I, I'm blessed and I just want to honor God for the privilege of serving, I don't take it for granted. And, and I just know God's got a prophetic word for you today. Um, and I just feel that God wants you to know, church, because you probably know this, but God's brought me here to tell you that you're in a prophetic season in the church. You're like, oh, what, what does that mean? That means you're transitioning from one season into another. And first the natural than the supernatural. And I, I got a word for the pastors and it's an interesting word. And before I came here, I thought I better write it down because I'm gonna have conversation and, and it might come across like, oh, you only saying that because you heard blah, blah, blah. But how you know that in Australia, there's no time difference in God. That God sees what you're doing in, 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 in New Zealand yeah. and he looks and he looks in this little one because you know, Australia's only a little one. <laughs> and he sees what's going over there. And it's, it's interesting that he whispers in my ear what God's doing over here. Yeah. And, and he wants to do that for a very specific reason because he, he wants you, you, the congregation, to recognize your part to play in the transition. So it's no good the pastor's transitioning and you're not transitioning with them. And I felt like, Pastor uh, Afina and Sini, that everything that God has put in your heart to do, you're going to succeed. 
and there's been like resistance to you. There's been resistance and God's saying, if they resist you, they're resisting me. Because I am for you, not against you. I'm sitting there going, this is my song, man. It's my song. And I felt like God wants the congregation to know that you're on the move. I'm going to preach in a minute, and it's a prophetic word for the church. But I'm just, and I felt that the move starts naturally, and then it's going to impart supernaturally, and that God's giving you the nations. But you can't take the nations until you step into this new season. And God wants you to know he's with you. And I know you know that. But he's with you more than what you realize. And I seen like a, a, you're holding a baton and it was on fire. It was like burning and you were holding it and it split in two and it went to you. And you were holding it, but you were reluctant to hold it. And mum's going here. And you're saying, mm. and this is the word I got. Because you're in a prophetic season and God's moving and he wants to move. But just because God wants to move, he won't violate your free will. And if you choose not to move, <laughs> you're going to miss your visitation. I wrote this down because, and it's got the date that I wrote it. And the scripture I got for you was Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. And it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling and spear not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess the nations and will resettle the desolate cities. And I felt the church is coming into a new season. I'm just going to read it. Is that okay? First the natural, then the supernatural. New building, new name, new territories. It's interesting that there were few changes to the name. It's interesting that it went, you couldn't, and I just learned this the other day, that you couldn't change the whole name straight away. That it had to change one part of the name and then change the next part of the name. And I felt like it was a progression of the transformation that God's taking you into as a church. That you're going from Life City Church to Hills. Church to Hills, New Zealand. And it's actually a prophetic transition from becoming insulated into a people that come to church to a church that's going to the nation. It's actually a prophetic declaration. And the mantle's on this couple. And I feel like the Lord's saying, church, I'm with them. And if you resist it, you'll resist me. You resist the mantle I've placed on them. God is saying, you will reach nation, the nation of Aotearoa 
and the nations that God has been increasing your capacity. And it feels like there's a real stretch going on. Pressure, there's tension. And it's almost like, it feels like it's a resistance to what God is doing, but it's actually God is giving you capacity to go beyond you to the nations. And he's saying, I'm saying to you today, strengthen your pegs because the territory God is giving into your hand, you are going to displace and you are going to dispel the darkness that's over the regions, over all that the Lord is giving you. And when you take that territory, when you take possession of what I have given into your hands, you will displace illegal principalities, illegal powers over the hearts and the minds of the regions. And listen to this. And you will give permission for the people to come out of addiction. You will, you will, you will give permission because people don't know what they don't know. And those that are sitting in darkness are waiting to see a great light. And, and you don't know you're, you're bound until you're free. And you're going to give permission for people to come out of addiction and to come out of the true identity. And they will rebuild. And they will rebuild. And they will rebuild the whakapapa that was destroyed through sin and darkness. And they're going to walk in a blessing because you stepped into the new prophetic season of your life. And those who you thought were impossible to be saved will be saved. Because I'm going to release a double portion. I really feel like God's saying, son, take it up. Step in. Because it's not for you, but it needs you. Step up. Stand up, step out, and watch what I will do on your behalf. Because yeah. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. There's a, I just sense there's a transition in your life, spiritually, marriagely, family, because you got the order right. And God's saying, well done. Yeah. And I've been, I've been training you, and I've been, I've been pushing and pulling and and I've been doing all these things because I need you to know that it's not for you, but it needs you to walk it out. Because you're going to give permission. You're going you're to stand on the shoulders of your parents, and you're going to walk beside them, and you're going to do greater things than they've ever done before. And you know what? They deliberately planned that. That's their purpose for you. That you're going to be like an arrow that's stretched to the fullest capacity. You know, the further the arrow goes back, the further the distance, but the more accurate it's going to be. And I feel like God's saying, this is your moment, this is your hour. You're going to touch nations, but it starts with touching Wainui. Amen? Mm, come on. See, I got, a, I got a word for the church, and it's not in my notes because it's, it's here. And I've been trying to put it to pen, and I'm not good at putting it to pen. Um, I think out of all the notes that I had on the weekend, I read last, the last session, Take Responsibility. But I'm going to read to you a passage of Scripture that's found in the book of Joshua. And for those who are not familiar with the book of Joshua, it's a historical writing about a nation who took their promise. Because I feel like you as a church are in a prophetic moment where you're stepping in from one arena to the next. Amen? Yeah. 
Amen, church? Amen. That's good. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's easy. And Lord, it cuts and it runs straight. But God, I, I just pray that as I speak, Father, that it will be simple to hear, that it will come with clarity, that you will impart faith, and that, God, this, this church will run in such a way that they've never run before. And, God, I just thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Mr. Baseman, Mr. Baseman, your son, I, I, hope it's your, I think it was your son. If it's not, I'll blame him. <laughs> your son had, uh, no, had a T-shirt on and said, not looking back. Is that, is that your son? I felt like when he was up there, God said to me, he's my David. He's, a, he's, a, he's after my own heart. And as, as he was worshiping the Lord, I, I just saw the spirit of the Lord descending upon him and remaining. And he's going to become a great worshiper. And his heart's going to become soft to the Lord and God's going to use him mightily. Not when he's 25, 30. Now. And you're going to see, God's going to show you glimpses of, of his presence on him and you're going to go, oh, that's the Lord. Because God wants you to instruct him in the way that he should go. And so in order to instruct him in the way he should go, he's going to show you which way he should go. So that when he gets older, he won't depart from it. But there's something really amazing on your son. Yeah? And that's a reflection of your heart. It's a reflection of your heart. Yeah? That's what I felt to tell you. You're a blessed man. Amen? So good. So good. So good. I pause a lot, you'll notice. It's okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm not zoning out. I'm just trying to hear the Holy Ghost. What's he want to say? Because I don't know if you come to church today to listen to Mal speak, but you really want to hear what God is saying. Amen? So let's go to Joshua chapter one. And, and then I'm going to read, we're going to read two passages of scripture. Joshua chapter one. And I feel like they're very significant in, in this transition period. Amen. And it's really culminating. If you didn't hear the weekend, ladies, it's okay. I'm going to sum it up today. <laughs> All right. So good. Joshua chapter one. I love this. I read it and I was like, you're kidding me. Watch this. In Joshua chapter one and verse 10. I said, Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp. And command the people, saying, prepare provision for yourselves. Say prepare. You're in a transition period, and church, you need to prepare for it. Because, you know, transition is not just, oh, we're going from Life City Church over in that building to the school building here. That's not Transition. That's just using a facility. See, transition is here. It's not out there, it's here. But you have to prepare yourself for the transition. Eh? Prepare provision for yourselves, for within three days, you're gonna cross over to this Jordan and you, to go in to possess it, to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You know, 
I want you to understand the language here. It's not, oh, you're going to go into a new building, maybe change your name, um, um, haphazardly, we're going to go and do some other stuff. And, oh, it's, you know, it's like, no, no, listen, take position for yourself. Prepare yourself. I'm giving you a land. I'm giving it to you. Amen, church? I'm giving it to you. And even as I said that, even as I just said that, some of you were like, oh, whatever. Whatever. And it's good that you said whatever. Not that I can read your mind. Because I'm going to show you something that's going to slap the whatever. Is that all right? Come on. Watch this. The Lord your God is giving you to possess. Verse 16. So they answered Joshua in saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Wouldn't it be good if life was that simple, Pastor? <laughs> We're going to possess the land. Yeah, whatever you say, Pastor Sini, Pastor Athena, whatever you say, we're going to do. Now, they haven't told me nothing. Wouldn't it be good if they're like, wherever you go, man, we're going. Chapter 2. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, Send out two spies, say two spies, from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying, yeah, watch this. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying, go view the land. What's the next two words? When God writes things in the Bible, and it's real weird, like, hey, we're going to go spy out the land, but by the way, while you're at it, go spy out Wainui Omata. There is actually a reason why God wrote that into the Scripture. And, you know, I don't know about you when you read Scripture, but I, I ask questions. So the question I asked was, why Jericho? Why especially Jericho? What was so important about Jericho? Wouldn't we like to know that? Yeah, yeah, I would like to know too. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So, you know, go spy the land. We're just going to go to the brothel. It's all good, man. We're going to hang out with her, you know. That's what happened. I read that and I just go, oh. <laughs> they must have, no, no, they didn't. But here's the thought. So I wrote it on my phone this morning because it's in my heart and I try not to, I'm really simple. And sometimes I, uh, I can't write what's in my head, in my heart, onto a piece of paper. Yeah? So I do it in little notes. But I said to the Lord, why, Jer why Jericho? So I took a photo of Jericho. Right? Why Jericho? Why when God was preparing a people to take possession of a land that they gave them, he said, I want you to go spy out the land but especially Jericho. Yeah. What was so significant about Jericho? I want to tell you a little bit about Jericho, right? This is in the history books. Recent textual discoveries in a, uh, I can't pronounce it, Yigarit, Yigarit, 
which is a, a scriptural text or a, a text that was found that's older than the Hebrew writings. Okay? The scripture recorded centuries filled, that they say that Jericho was filled with idolatry. In other words, they worship foreign gods. Right? They practice sodomy, bestiality. I, I'm sorry, I'm in church, I know. Sorcery, child sacrifice. Consequently, each generation had polluted the next generation with more idolatry, more perversion, and more blood. The city of Jericho was a city that was in a heel structure. It was in a stronghold. It was in a, in a, it had the capacity to withhold the enemy because there's only one way in and one way out. And when they closed the door of the city, what was inside it couldn't go outside. And what was outside couldn't go inside. And so I say to the Lord, why Jericho? What's wrong with Jericho? Why is it that you said, especially Jericho? And the Lord said this. He said, if I didn't tackle the stronghold to the promised land, everything that was inside Jericho would corrupt the personality of Israel and it would have led them astray. The problem with Jericho was it was a stronghold. And strongholds, it was so, so protected. What was inside it, the, the, the child sacrifice, the ability to take your firstborn baby to a blooming statue and think that's a God and sacrifice your baby. Here, God, I, 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 I want to do this. And nothing happens because it's a demon, it's not God. It's kind of what we do today in... Not much difference with abortions and, yeah. and, 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 and what's going on on TV with, with you know, some of the stuff you watch on TV. Shocking stuff. Yeah. But church, is it shocking enough for you to turn the channel? Because yeah. sometimes, you, 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 sometimes you're sick of a situation, you ain't just sick enough to change it. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm warming up. I haven't even got to the next scripture yet. So God wanted them to take possession of a land that he was giving them, but in order to take the land, they had to deal with the stronghold first. Because what was in the stronghold had the capacity to ruin a nation. And God says, hey, if you're gonna take the promised land that God's promised you, you're gonna have to deal with some strongholds. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 6, 3 to 6. And it says this, they are in the flesh, you don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of your warfare, they're not of the flesh. They're mighty through God to pulling down, pulling down. See, First the natural, 
than the supernatural. Israel had to deal with the stronghold because the stronghold had capacity to ruin them. In the New Testament, you and I as Christians, if you're gonna take the promise of what God's spoken over your life, you're gonna have to tackle some strongholds. It says here, for the weapon of your warfare are not carnal, they're just not physical, they're not flesh, but a mighty, say mighty. You have a mighty God who's given you mighty weapons for pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? Think of a castle. Think about Jericho. With the sole purpose of a stronghold is to protect what's inside it from what's outside of it. And for some of us, we got strongholds in our mind that cause us to, man, we have a good heart. We got a dumb head. (laughs) We got a good heart. Oh, I want to change, pastor. I want to change. We mean well, but we haven't dealt with a stronghold that says, oh, but I was born to a parent who didn't love me. Oh, you know, and you start self-talking yourself into slavery again, into bondage. The devil just grabs your stronghold and he pulls on it and you start to believe the lie because it's been set up in a way to dismantle you and to create a, a, a personality trait in you which does not reflect the very nature of God. Yeah, and so God wants you to understand. God wants you to what? Pull down strongholds. God wants you, he don't want you to walk around the walls of Jericho anymore. It's already been done. But what he wants you to do is pay attention to what's in your mind. Next one. How do we do it? We gotta cast down arguments. I don't know about you, but how many of you talk to yourself sometimes? How many of you know when, when, when the pastors call you into the office, you're already having a conversation in your head? And you, you know, you're anticipating because you kind of know them, what they're going to say to you, and you're already giving answers before you even got there. And then when you get there, it's not even what you thought. You come, yeah, you become an expert, man. You've got to cast in arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Church, can I just say this to you? If you want to overcome the strongholds in your mind, you need to know the Word of God. Because how do you know the reference of what's good thinking and bad thinking? How do you know? Well, you won't know. And if you don't know, you won't go. Because if you won't go, because fear will hold you back. And the things that have been established in your thoughts through your upbringing and through the society in which you live and what you're watching on TV will dictate to your feelings, which will lie to you. And it will tell you that your God isn't that big, that he's just a religion and you're just a nice person and God saved you to be a nice person. And I want to tell you, God's called you to be mighty. He's called you to be an overcomer. But you can't overcome their addiction until you overcome your addiction. You can't overcome their fear until you overcome your fear. And he says here, I want you to to bring every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and I want you to bring it into captivity to make it obedient to Christ. Next one. And being ready, I love this, I love this, I love this. And being ready to punish all disobedience once your obedience is made fulfilled. You know what I think about human nature is we love to tell other people how to fix things. 
you know, my mum, God bless her soul, she's in heaven now, a letter to the Lord on her deathbed. Three days later, she passed away. But um, she had the really good knack of telling me about buying a home. Son, you should buy a home. Son, you should save money like this. She lived in a housing corp house and she was broke as. <laughs> God bless her, I tell you. Sometimes we give good advice, but we don't take the advice. Why? Because there is a stronghold in our mind that's argued with us into defeat. But we know the wisdom that can be used to, 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 to bring change, and we know it, but we don't apply it. And so we have faith without works, which is dead. And it says here, oh, she cut up my In order, you know, the thing about uh, uh, Israel was God says, I'm going to give you the land, and as you give you the land, you're going to drive out the inhabitants because they worship foreign gods. They did some really bad stuff, yeah? The, problem, the reason God wanted to drive them out was because he was giving you an inheritance. And he knew that if you didn't drive them out, if you didn't drive them all out, they will have the capacity to influence you away from God. And unfortunately, that's what happened to Israel. They were told, don't make a covenant with them. Don't do this with them. And some of us, we're playing with the world. And God's saying, I've saved you from that. Why do you go back to it? Because God's got so much more for you. But what happens is your stronghold that's in your thought patterns are lying to you, but they are agreeing with your feelings. And your feelings are good slaves, terrible masters. Because your feelings, they will agree with your eyes and what they're seeing. Oh, it's so hard, it's so bad. He will never change. They will, oh my Lord. And you feel that they're never going to change, maybe because of their actions and life's going on. But the reality is God says, I will give you the land. So now what are you going to believe? Do you believe that God's given you a new inheritance? Well, then step into it. But in order to step into it, you've got to have to address some fears. Because what happens is fear will cripple you. And fear will get inside you and it will shape what you speak. And what you speak will become a snare to you. But the proverb says you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are actually caught by the words of your mouth. What does that mean? Oh, oh, man, they want to they they buy a new building. Oh man, it's gonna cost so much money. It's gonna be done. I'm gonna have a new time. I have to turn to church. I have to, I'm gonna help out and all. Oh, nah, nah. And all of a sudden, you're talking yourself out of, of actually walking into something that other people are gonna be richly blessed by. Yeah. Because it needs you, but it's not for you. Right. It needs you to turn up. Right. Church. See, I'm going home tomorrow, so I'm going to yell at you, wouldn't I? It needs you, but it's not for you. You are actually going to lay a foundation on what a next generation is going to build on, and in that, people's lives are going to be changed, and you're going to become a part of history. Oh, is that right, Pastor? You don't know my upbringing. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? What matters is right now. 
You can't change what's happened in the past. So, okay, for those who don't know me, so I'm from Cannons Creek. It's bad being a Pakia in Cannons Creek because you're either going to get beaten up or you're going to have to fight, yeah? I'm the youngest of 27. So my mum, Whangai, three families, so, and I'm the baby. Um, so you're always going to have fights. You're always going to blah, 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 right? I've, me and my dad never talked for like almost 10, 15 years. You know, I've had a bit of an upbringing. But one thing I know, that that doesn't define me. What defined me was the day I received Christ and realized that that old nature was dead. That old history of my life, that old man who was rejected and, and told you never amount to nothing, the teacher said, son, school's not for you. Better you don't come back next week. You know what I mean? Like, I got asked to leave school. Who does that, man? I was like, man, I'm educated. I want to do history. The teacher said, no, son, you have to turn up to school to do history. I miss, I think, year and a half, uh, third, fourth, and fifth form. In my days, it was third, fourth, and fifth form. I missed almost three quarters of that, and I missed out on school C by one mark. And you know, I asked the teacher, what's up with the mark, man? He said, you never turn up the class. <laughs> and I was like, oh. You know, and, and, and that teacher had the power to shape a thought in my life that I'm not good enough. Yeah. But if I live in that and go, oh, it was me, what I did was I allowed the word of God to show me who I was when he put me in my mama's womb. And he told me that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And then I went, I don't think so. I am so flawed as man. But in the process of time, God began to transform me on the inside. The transformation took time, just like a tree takes time, but the tree will produce fruit after its kind. If you're going to have an apple tree and you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get oranges. You're going to get an apple. But the apples aren't for you. They're for other people to pick from. But the apple tree needs to be planted and it needs to grow, but it's not for the tree, it's for people. And God's called you whether you're saved here today, I hope you're saved today and you, you follow after Christ, but you're in a battle. You're contending not with flesh and blood, so, I, you know, he's going to get upset. You know, husbands and wives, this is for free. Some of you are fighting and you think you're fighting each other, but you two are not fighting each other. You're fighting the situation that's in the middle. And if you just realize that you're not fighting each other, you'll stop fighting and then you'll solve the situation. Because you're not conferring against flesh and blood. You're not fighting against each other. You're fighting against principalities and power. Spirits that have been assigned to cause division. Because anything that's division can't stand. And see, you can't have a, a, a vision up the front here going, we're taking the land. And all of you are like, oh, see you later, bro. Oh, good for you, but not for me. And how do you know? Because you know, you turn up to church on Sunday and I know you're all faithful. But can I just say this? How do you know that you're not for the vision. How do you know? Yeah, you turn up on church on Sunday, but how do you know you're for it? Can I tell you? I can tell you anyway. <laughs> because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you sowing into? Where does your finance go? Do you tithe to the church? But not only tithe, it's bigger than tithe. Well, where's your time? When there's meetings to turn up to, do you turn up to or do you not? 
I mean, I get it. It's pretty cold. I wouldn't turn up even. No, I wouldn't. I, I would turn up. Because where your treasure is, your heart would be. And you can tell because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so you've got to understand that what comes out of your mouth shapes the destiny of your life. So when you're sitting there, and it might not be evil, what you're saying, but you might go, oh, like pastor might say, hey, men. I'm haggling the men again, sorry. Hey, men, we need to do some building. And you're like, remember, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. But your mouth is only going to speak what your thoughts are thinking. And your heart will give your thoughts away. And you're going to be like, oh, man, it's a Saturday, the 40s on. Man, I can't, I can't really turn up. And what are you doing? You are self-talking yourself, justifying why you don't need to turn up. And what's happened is your, your stronghold that's in your thought patterns is dictating what you do. And God said, you need to cast that imagination down and you need to step into something new. And he says that the minute you allow your obedience to be fulfilled, you can punish all disobedience. Now, I don't know if you get this, but your obedience is better than your sacrifice. Hey, we obey to God. Amen? Yes, Pastor Mel. Okay. It's all right. I brought my encouragement this morning. I knew I was in Wainui. It's all good. And, 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 and so we obey, we obey God, but God puts people into your life like pastors. But when your heart shifts, you start to see the natural and not the mantle. And you get offended at the natural rather than the mantle that's what we're submitting to because it's the gift that's on them. And their gift and your submission to the gift, and I'm not just promoting them, I'm just saying the submission to the gift releases you into your destiny. Maybe you're looking for a financial breakthrough. Maybe you're in business and you want a breakthrough. I'm telling you, man, whatever you sow, you're going to reap back. Question what you're sowing. Husbands, if you're not happy with your wife, maybe she's nagging at you. I tell you what, it's because you sowed that into her. Because you're just reaping what you sowed. Oh no, pastor, she was always like that. I've been married 26 years and two weeks. I used to blame my wife for so much of my anger and frustration when we, used to have, when we were first married because I was 18. I, was, I thought I was a man, but I wasn't a man. You know, men don't grow up till they're 30. So I'm only 10 years old in my maturity. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we don't grow up, women grow up way earlier than us, man. But, but let me just say this. If the grass is greener on the other side because, and we said this in the men's thing, but if you think because this ain't working that you need a wandering eye, you're in trouble. Because you are only reaping what you've sown. That's what scripture says. Whether it's finances, whether it's words, whether it's affirmation, I don't care what it is in your life right now, what, where you are right now is a product of your sowing. How do you feel about yourself? Do you actually value yourself, woman? If you don't, it's because you're sowing that into you. Or someone's sowing it into you and you believed it. And then it become your language. Oh, I'm not good enough. 
oh, I'm not pretty enough. Mate, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen, Pastor? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. That when you were in your mama's womb, God knew you by name and he knew the plans that he had for you. And when you came out into this world, you were born into a sinful world. And I apologize if your parents weren't saved and they may have treated you bad and they might have done some stuff, but that was never the heart of God for you. And the only thoughts that he had towards you is good. Amen. It's good. And I tell you what, you might have lived life and you might go, well, I hear God is good, but my life looks like this. And I want to tell you, until you receive Christ, only then does your life measure up to the plan that God has for you. But just listen to this. In order to understand the process, there are five, I believe, five levels of maturing as a Christian. Ready? I'm going to show you something. Because you're in a prophetic season, and if you don't understand the process, you'll get shipwrecked in your faith. See, they, they got shipwrecked, Joshua and his army, and they got, they got shipwrecked because they didn't fulfill the mandate on their life. They allowed the nations to make covenants with them. They allowed their sons to marry the daughters, and they were told they're not allowed to. This Old Testament is not New Testament, so it's okay today. It's all right. But they failed to do what God told them to do because of stuff that was inside them. There's five, 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 five levels. Ready? So we're going to use an apple tree. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Number one, you have to sow the seed. Come to church to learn about horticulture today. You've got to sow the seed. Where does the seed go? In the... All right. We're, oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, it's in the ground. Season one. Got to sow the seed in the ground. Season two, the roots of the seed need to go down. So many Christians I met in Australia, and I know it's the same here, they go from church to church to church to church. And it's not because they're looking for a family, it's because they don't like what the pastors are saying because it's touching things in their heart that they don't want um, people to be exposed to because, you know, they think people in church, if they got it all together, man, we are as broken as anybody else, man. You know, I, I think if there is something beautiful about sin, can I say, if there's something beautiful about sin is that it puts us all on the same pegging, man. There, there is no, oh, pastors are more righteous than the little one at the back. Fooey, man. It's a whole lot of baloney. We are just as frail and broken as you. And we needed a savior just as much as you do. Amen. And in fact, at your most prominent time, when you are about to break through, can I say, leaders, that is your most vulnerable moment. Not when you're down and out and feel like you're scratching the ground. Because when you're down and out, man, you, the only way up is up. But when you're at the height of your life and you're like, man, things are going great and that's good, you, you, you let your guard down. Oh, I don't need to pray no more because I've arrived. I don't need to read my word anymore because I've arrived. And what happens is the old nature starts to cripple in again and you're unaware of it because you're not spiritually minded. You become dull in your hearing. Because there are a lot of things along the process that God's going, stop, stop, don't go down that path. And you're like, oh, but it feels good. It must be right. Lie. Come on. All right, come on. So there's the roots. They need to go down. And they need to be planted in the house of the Lord. They, you have to be planted. And the roots have to go down. And the, the degree that the tree's going to go up, that is all determined by how the roots are going down. The problem with that is, church, 
It's all underground. And some of us, we've been in church and we're like, man, we're not growing. Man, I'm not doing nothing. But I want to tell you, if you feel like you're stuck in this rut and it feels like it's perpetual, it's because God wants you to understand that that part of your life is going to be a focal point to bring Him glory. But He needs to get those roots deep down so you can extract the nutrients. But it's still in the ground. It's still deep in your heart. So that's stage two. And then you feel, you sense. How many have ever sensed breakthrough coming? How many sense that I'm going to give birth to something? Yeah. And then what happens is the, the, the seed begins to bring a shoot out. And, and, and it's got to push through all the dirt. Because, you know, it takes effort to grow. <laughs> all right. Yeah. The problem is we think the breakthrough is, wow, it's a massive tree. Wow. But what happens is when it comes through the ground, it's a little shoot. And some of us mistake the breakthrough and we don't regard it because it's not what we expected. And so we trample it. We don't appreciate it. All right? The next stage, stage four, is where I think us as Christians walk away. We get offended the most. Because you know, in the fourth session, we're like a tree. Strong. Oh, yeah. Been in the Lord five years. Yeah. I've been along. I got some, I got some branches now. Oh, I know the word. I've studied. I've been to Bible college. I got the word in me. Man, and then pastor gives position to someone else. And you're like, hey, I've been in the Lord longer than him. Ha, what? pastor just doesn't know me. That's the problem. He doesn't know I am the man. I am the woman. And what happens is you fall short because you get offended because you think you've arrived, but you don't realize that there's another season of your life that you don't have yet. And do you know what that is? You know what that is? It's the same. It looks like a tree. It's got leaves like a tree. It's got branches like a tree. But the only thing it doesn't have is fruit. And some of us, you're at the Tipping over point where you're like, man, I want to walk away from church. Uh, pastors, they're, they're on their own agenda. They don't know me, da, 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 da. And that's because you're a tree, but you've got no fruit. And your timing's off. Your mindset's right in terms of you have a call on your life. You have a moment that God's going to use you. But the problem is the timing's not right. Because you haven't got the fruit that someone else needs to pick from. You look like a tree, you've been in the Lord a while, but there's no fruit in your life because the tree needs to produce fruit, but the tree don't partake from the fruit. Some nice little lady come and pick a fruit. Oh, that's sour. Not in season yet. So you can still have fruit and still not be in season. See, I got offered churches right from when I was like, because I knew I was called at, at, at 19 to be a pastor. And when I was 23, I was, I was offered a church to be a pastor. And I said, the calling's right, the timing's off. Because I wasn't after a position. I was after the timing. And I'll get alone with God, and I was like 23, and then 27, I got offered another church in the wire wrapper. The calling was right, but the timing wasn't right. And some of you, you're trying to find the, the calling but you're out of time. 
Israel needed to push out the nations because their beliefs and their habits would have influenced them. And God is jealous for them. But in the natural, we don't fight that way no more. What happens is God lives inside you and now you have to renew your thoughts. So you now, you have to understand something that not all your thoughts line up with the word of God. And if you're not in the word of God, you won't know what's right and what's wrong. And you'll always be a slave to your thoughts of your processes. Someone said, I can't remember who said, that your thoughts are a good receiver, but not a good transmitter. That, that you're, you know, they're good to receive, but if they master you and they dictate to you what you do and it doesn't line up with the word, the only outcome is death because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I believe prophetically that as the church is about to rebuild and the church is about to establish a new premise, that in the natural, you have opportunity. You have opportunity. What's the opportunity, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> to lay your life down so someone else can build upon it. Because unless you lose your life, you won't find your life. And some of us, we love the idea of moving into new premise, but we don't want to lay our life down to be a part of the process. And understand this, that if you don't allow yourself to walk through the process, you're going to walk around for 40 years in the wilderness. And you're going to be going, hey, God, didn't you, haven't you got, haven't you got good things in my life? Yeah, you do. Not listening. You're not listening. To get authority in God, you have to come under authority. That's a sealer moment right there. Couple. I, I, I got the Nike Air. Um, what's your name, sir? No, not the one behind you. Yeah, you. Brent? You two are incredibly, I feel like God significantly marked you out. That his plans for you are incredible. But I feel like, you know, you have an enemy, and he's the devil. And he's come to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. Yeah? And God's saying, I'm going to give you insight. I'm going to open the eyes of your heart that you may know why you were called. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Yeah, cool. I feel like you are really significant in what God wants to do. And stuff's happened in your life and God's saying, don't blame. You can't control that. Own this. Because God's going to create in you a clean heart. He's going to renew a right spirit within you and he's going to restore to you the joy of your salvation. And God's going to take you by the hand and both of you are going to become changers. You're going to become world changers. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the scripture here says that when you, when you, um, what's the last verse say? Um, Casting down imaginations, bringing into captivity, evil thought and bringing into captivity and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And God, I feel like he's going to take you into a, a season of, of, of pruning. Yeah? He's going to take you into a season of, of, of sifting. Do you do fry bread? Do you, do, do you sift? Do you bake? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever used flour? And, yeah, watch this. You know, you know the flour. Why do you sift flour? To, to get all the lump and, yeah, yeah, to get all the lumps and bumps out of it. 
The problem with us Christians is sometimes we identify with the lumps and the bumps and not the fine flour. And God wants you to understand that he's going to bring some lumps and bumps out because he wants you to identify not with the bumps, but with the flower because Jesus has already paid the price for your bumps and your lumps. And, he, and as you begin to walk out into this new season of your life, you're going to actually begin to punish all disobedience in the lives of those that are around you because everyone in your world who is not saved is under the influence of a spirit of disobedience that's in everyone that's not saved. And that's in Ephesians chapter two. They're waiting for you to arrive. People haggle you. Have you been under an attack recently? It just been like, boom, people have been bombarding you with we're like, man, you Christian. People are haggling you because of this. And if they're not, it's okay. But they haggle you because they want what you have. And they harass you because they want to know whether it's authentic or not. And you, you're going to do greater things. I just sense that. I just, as soon as I were in the worship and I look back, I saw it. ooh, look at that. You, you, you know, you're a no-nonsense guy. And God's going to use that to bring glory to him. And, and, and you know, <laughs> you're stronger than him in here, in your wairua. But the devil's lying and telling you, not me, man. I'm just this quiet little mouse. And, but you're a lion about to roar. Yeah? And he has shut you down in your thoughts and he, and he will whisper in your ear and you will sit there and you go, that's so true. And then you'll look in the mirror and you go, yeah, you're not that man. And all of a sudden you're sneered and then your life lives that out. And God's gonna unlock that over your life because he's for you, he's not against you. And that when you were born, you were born with perfection in mind. Yeah. And the devil's a lie. And he's gonna teach you how to unlock that. Because your children after you are going to be phenomenal. Because you're going to give them permission to walk in freedom and not the same stuff that you guys have been through. Is that all right? You guys are are amazing. God's got his hand on your life. Don't worry, it's going to be all right, yeah? First the natural, then the supernatural. The other day, I shared this at the men's thing. Um, I was looking after a disabled client. And I've been sick for the last six weeks, pretty bad, like not sick, like bad. My eyes were sore, couldn't walk, my bones are aching. I thought it was just because I hit over 40 and that's what happens after 40. You know, they told me life begins at 40 and I think they're blooming lying to me, you know. And I'm sitting there and I'm battling this stuff and I look after this client for since November last year, but he's missed my room. And so I have to give him back to the family, but my room is potent in its smell. So I'm like, oh, I need to go and get the carpet, new carpet and all that stuff. The house is only two years old, Ember. Three years old now. So anyway, I ring this guy up. Hey, mate, I just seen your ad on the paper, or on the Facebook. Do you want to come and quote my house? He comes over, quotes my house. It's a 39-year-old pommy from London. You know, mate, g'day, mate. It's gone, mate. I know, it's Aussie, yeah, yeah. I see, I can't do poms, I try but he comes in and he, and he quotes my house and I'm pretty okay with it. I'm like, oh, that's a good price, man. And then what happened is he comes back the next week, but the night before he comes back, I'm crook. Oh, my eyes are sore. And I walk out to where I meet with Jesus most nights and that's in my lounge while everyone's asleep. I sit on this couch and I'm like, oh, it's comfy. My bones are aching. Lord, there's incredible peace here. 
What's going on? And he puts the, the guy on my mind. And I'll go, oh, what do you want me to do? You want me to pray for him? I'm pretty sick myself. <laughs> do you want me to speak a word for him? Don't know. Well, okay, well, you're on my mind. Okay, well, Lord, I just pray for him in Jesus' name. When someone's on your mind, don't fob it off. Pray for them. You stand in the gap. Because I'll tell you what, someone in Mexico right now is praying for you. They just don't know it. They could be speaking in tongues and they know it. Yeah? So anyway, he comes the next day and I know he's coming at 10 o'clock and I'm in bed and I'm trying to push myself out. I can't get out of bed. My eyes are aching. I'm going, gee, this men's conference must be going to be amazing, man, because I've been smashed for the last 10 months, man. And I was like, come on, God, you got to turn up and do something. Anyway, I know he's coming out, so I get out of bed and I'm an old man. I'm so, oh, because, you know, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed, but it's a decision. I don't want to turn up, but it's a decision. You made a decision this morning to turn up and it's freezing out there. I woke up this morning and, and outside my mum, mother-in-law's house, there's a sun shining over the water. And I was like, wow, that's stunning. And I step out onto the balcony and I went, you're lying to me. There's no sun heat coming, it's freezing. It's, like, ah. it's being painted in the sky, I tell you. I jump back inside. But the man comes and he, <laughs> he comes to my house and it should have taken about 45 minutes. Just to let you know, he was there three hours later. And I'm crook, and, 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 but I'm listening. because He don't know I'm crook. He thinks that's my accent. So he's talking away there, and, and, and he was talking about his wife is a carer. My wife's a carer. I'm like, okay, maybe, okay. That's interesting. What does he want me to say? And I said, oh, you know, um, and he knew I had a client because I told him the week before I had a guy messed it up. And then he said the most funny thing. And he said, what do you do for a living? Now, you could miss it in the conversation. But I just told him, I'm caring for a disabled guy. But God's provoking his thought. What do you do for a living? Now, I can back out and go, oh, well, yeah, I just do disability. He said, oh, I'm a minister. He goes, a what? Now, he's effing, effing, effing in my room, you know, talking to me. You know, don't get offended if people swear at you. You know what I mean? Like, come on, we're human. That's right. That's right. They're, in, they're in sin. They don't know any better. We're not that holier than thou that we go, ooh, ooh, dear. I better disassociate with them. Stop it. Mate, come on. You were just in this situation years earlier. Thank God someone didn't go, ooh, cool. And we went after you, yeah? So I'm listening to him, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, mama. And, and I went, oh, I'm a minister. He goes, oh, I don't effing believe in any of that stuff, eh? I said, that's all right. I'm like, okay, now what do you want to talk about, Lord? And he goes, man, I was beaten up by my dad when I was like a little kid. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about this trauma. And then he goes, yeah, man, I come from England. I bring my kids for a better life to get out of the, the east end of London. And, you know, have you ever seen East End London? It's, it's like Cannons Creek. No, it's, it's like, it's like uh, Wyandoe. It's, 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 it's a rough place, man. You know what I mean? Man, if you can live in these type of suburbs, man, you can do anything. That's right, that's right. Come on. Anyway, and he's talking, he's like, man, I got beaten up, kicked in the guts, I was bashed up, my sisters were bashed. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, and now I, I, I'm in trouble now. I go, what's up? And he goes, oh, I got thyroids, uh, his glands, the thyroids are shot to pieces. The doctor said there's nothing they can do. He's going to be in constant pain until it runs out. And then he's going to be on medication for the rest of his life. 
And I'm going, oh, here we go. But remember, I'm crook. I am gone. But I know God's called me. And I'm listening to him and, I'm, and he's talking about all this stuff. Oh, I moved from London to Australia and I spent uh, $80,000 in the first year and I'm freaking out. Now I've got panic attacks now, anxiety, fretting and worry. And I'm sitting there going, mm, okay. So I'm listening and I'm going, cool. Because God wants to be shown off by you. Because you know, it's not about getting people to come to church. It's about you being the church and understanding you are who he says you are, not who you think you are. Because if who you think you are doesn't line up with what God says you are, you're living a lie. Uh, that was for free. So anyway, I'm sitting here talking to him. And I said, listen, sir, I'm going to tell you two things, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So I shared testimony about being in Wainui Amata. And God does miracles in Wainui Amata. Amen? Oh, he does. I don't know about you, man, but, I, you know, every time I come to Wainui Amata, people getting new kidneys, people getting new salvations, migraines that they've had all their life, gone. So I'm telling you today, if you've got an ailment in your body right now, Jesus heal it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what happened was, I'm sitting there, I tell him these testimonies, and, and then I say, I'm going to ask you a question. He goes, can I pray for you? He goes, what? I don't even believe in all that stuff. And he goes, but yeah, okay. Like, you've got nothing else to lose. You're going to be in pain for the rest of your life, son. He's like, oh, you go on here, mate. But he carries on walk, working. And I said to him, you know, I'm listening because I'm a gentleman. I want to listen. And I went, you know, when I said I want to pray for you, I'm not going to go into my room and do Hail Marys. Dear God, you know, fathers and our fathers, God bless them. But I want to lay my hand on you because I, I think that you came to do my carpet was only a vehicle for you to encounter God. And he goes, well, that's just weird. That's what he said. But he goes, go on then. So he's, he's standing and he gives me his hand. I said, give me your hand. And he gives me his hand. And I step close to him. And as I'm stepping close, my thoughts are saying, how dare you pray for him? You're sick. How can you pray for someone when you're sick? And I'm sitting there, and now I have a decision to make. Do I believe the lie, or do I believe what God says about me? You have a choice to make in moments that are going to arise very shortly to determine whether you believe what God says about you or whether you don't. And I went, I just cast down that imagination in Jesus' name. I rebuke these thoughts that are trying to contradict what God wants to do here. And as I did that, I stepped closer to him, I grabbed his and I pulled him into me. And he went, whoa, what was that, man? Well, he didn't say it like that. He said, whoa, what the effing heck is that, man? <laughs> and I'm just like, that's God loving on you. He goes, what the effing, oh, I better stop swearing then, eh? You know? And I said, it's okay, God loves you, just the way you are. You don't have to behave. He loves you. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just bind every um, pain in his neck because he had bad pain. Anyone had thyroid issues? It's pretty bad. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And, and I don't get all too spiritual on him. And then I say, how you feel, bro? And he goes, oh, mate, my body's rushing. So yeah, that's just anxiety freaking out, man. That's all good. Come here. Father, just release peace over you in Jesus' name. But in my mind, it's like, how dare you do that? It's accusing me. I've been hypocritical because I'm sick. 
Now, if I agreed with the lie because my feelings was I was sick, if I partnered with that, this man's life would never have been changed. And so I pray for him, and he's got incredible peace on him. And what lasted 40 minutes ended up three hours. He texts me back that night and goes, meeting you was the most inspiring thing I've ever met. I never led him to the Lord, but you know what I did do? I led him to the Father. You don't have to save everybody, but you've got to reflect the very nature of God. But some of us, our nature reflects our mom and our dad. And they meant well. So what God wants to do is take you from one place to another through the process. So that in a moment of time, you can reflect the very nature of Christ in, in the life of other people. But you have to deal with your thoughts. I feel like prophetically this church is so significant. I mean, I know they've got other churches and, and, and God's going to use other churches because it's not a church, it's the church. Amen? So I'm not saying this is the only church. Amen? I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, get an email and be on Facebook. <laughs> False preacher saying <laughs> So, So let me just say, as a body. Amen? As a body. But where you are, if you call this place home, right now is in the most significant season of what God wants to do in the valley, in the Wainui Valley. Yeah? And, and, and in order to go in the promised land, you're going to have to change some thinking. Because some of us are afraid to step into it because we prefer the old. Yeah. And you know, when God brought Israel out of slavery and, you know, I, I, I still don't get this sometimes. God did miracles upon miracles yeah. upon miracles upon miracles. And he could have taken them f straight to the promise, but he took them a roundabout way. Why? Because they weren't ready to fight. And it got exposed in the season of drought when they said, it'll be better if we just went back to Egypt because they forgot that they were in slavery. They forgot the bondages. They forgot that, but they wanted to keep looking back. They kept looking back, not in maybe in physical realm, but in their emotions and in their heart. It was better there. There was familiarity there. I'm familiar with that moment in time. I'm not familiar with this because I can't see the manifestation of where God has taken us. But God's saying, listen, trust me. Trust me that I know the way. Amen? Trust me. But that means you're going to have to change the way you think. Because the Bible says that if you trust God, watch this, God keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust him. If you've got anxiety about stepping in, it's because your thought patterns have been wobbly and you've got to recalibrate to look to him and say, God, what are you doing? And if you can't hear what God is doing, two things, ready? If you can't hear God, because every Christian in here today has the right to hear the voice of the Father, amen? Gone are the days where you need a priest to tell you what the word of God says. You have a right to a relationship with God, amen? But because you have a right to hear the voice of God doesn't make you an island of your own. Because God will put you into a community because it's not dependent on the pastor anymore. So your brother next to you, look to the person next to you. Look, uh, this people on this side, you might have a need right now 
And you might be thinking, pastor is going to meet the need. But can I just say, it's probably going to come from one of you. And that's why you have to hear from God. Because God wants to tell you, your brother over there needs provision. Oh, I'm going to go and tell the pastor. No, no. God tell you because he wants you to do something. Because he wants to teach you something about his nature that you never knew if you passed the buck. I'm sitting in church one day, my friend's pa- uh, preaching. So, I'm running out of time, sorry. My friend, he's preaching. Flippy was good, man. I was thinking, man, they're going to want him to be the pastor and not me. He was that good. And he's preaching, but then he, he hands me the mic and, and it was pretty amazing. And I'm just going to close up the service. And Holy Spirit says to me, see the lady over there? I go, yeah. He goes, I want you to pray for her. I go, oh, yeah. He goes, don't call her out. Go and pray for her and tell her that I love her and that I'm, you know, I'm not the author of her confusion. And I just went, just give it a crack, eh? Just give it a go. What do you got to lose? So I walk over to the lady. I said, excuse me, ma'am, can I pray for you? She's like, oh, yeah. I said, okay, cool. And I'm walking over to her, and all of a sudden, I'm overwhelmed with love. And I start, I'm not a crier. It's good to cry. Do you know? No, I won't go there. Yeah, I won't go there. But I don't cry. And I'm, I'm walking to her, and then I'm crying. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm overwhelmed with his love for her. The closer I get to her, the more she starts crying. Because I didn't call her out. I just sort of, and I said, can you raise your hand? And, you know, when Christians, they raise their hand, they go, ah. And she just went. So I figure she's either a very young Christian or she's not saved. So I'm sitting there, and I just, and as I get to her, I just say, Lord, I just, you know, the, I just feel like God telling me he loves you. Not a very deep word. He loves you and he's not the author of confusion. She breaks down and the whole church come over and pray for her and love on her and yeah. Having a cup of tea, she comes up to me and she said, I'm sitting in the car park and I say to God, I don't think you love me and I'm confused about my life. If you love me, get the pastor to come and pray for me in my chair. Yeah, fair income. Don't let him call me out. That way I know you love me. And she got her life to Jesus. She wasn't even saved. And she gave her life to Jesus. It would have been, it would have been more normal if the minister speaking called her out. But I'm about to close it down. I want to tell you, you hear God for your brother or your sister. And you will only hear God for your brother and your sister. Can I say this? If you're praying for your brother and your sister. Because you will only love what you pray for. If you don't follow these people, it's because you're not praying for them. And you're not praying for them because you don't love them. You turn up and that's good. But we're going to go an extra mile. Because you need to pray for this. Because they're pioneering things and when you're pioneering, you're at the tip. And they need to have that push behind them to break into new ground because they're going to displace darkness. They're going to displace. But if you're going to go into this new season with the same mindset, you're going to fall short because God won't pour new wine into old wineskins. And, and he's not waiting for them because they're already marching. He's waiting for you. you have, honestly, you, you're going to look back in, in, in like maybe two, three years from now, you're going to, I was part of something significant. 
or you're going to look back and look in and go, I wish I was part of that. And do you know who's to blame? No one. It's just your choice. It's just a decision that you made. So I, I just came here this morning to tell you that your stinky thinking is not going to get you into the promised land. <laughs> it's pretty much the sum of my message. <laughs> that if you're going to take the land that God's given to you and you're going to possess it, it needs to be one mind, one heart, taking the promise, not just a few. And if you're, if you're not behind it, it's because your thought patterns are still stuck in the old. And God's saying, you need to dismantle those mindsets that are strongholds over your life and walk in this newness of life that I've designed specifically for you. And some of you have words over your life, prophecies over your life, and they're not fulfilled over your life. Can I say this? Take them off the shelf. Take them off. And I want you to think about those words. Take them out. Maybe you didn't write them down, but they're there. They're in your back of your mind, and they're like, yeah, that was there. Maybe it's not going to happen. I want you to understand something. God's word never returns void. But unless you partner with it, it won't come to pass. So you need to take the prophecies and the words over your individual lives, and you need to meditate on them. You need to think about them until his thoughts become your thoughts. And what he said about you becomes what you think about you. Because as a man thinks within himself, so is he. And so God wants to really start to challenge your thinking. That you, you've been told this and God's saying this and some of us are believing this rather than what God's saying. And therefore we're hindered in the move that God wants to do. Some of you, you're evangelists. Some of you, man, God wants to use you in areas where you can just speak to so many people. Not preach to them, but you've got relationship with people, but you believe so little of yourself, you don't feel God can use you. And God's saying, man, I have called you fearfully and wonderfully made. That when I designed you, it was perfect. Amen? Amen. Amen. Significance. I'm going to come back and you're going to be doing some phenomenal things. And it's not limited by age. It's not the younger generation. It's this generation. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm getting up now and I've got to be part of that generation. <laughs> you know? You're significant, man. I think every time I hear this word, I get a word for you every time I come, eh? Yeah. So I'm not going to give you a word now. I'll give you encouragement. Yep. Take that word and start to run with it. Don't put it over there and go, that was nice. Thank you, Pastor. Take it off and run with it. And God's going to bring transformation. He's actually going to re revolutionize the insight that you have. And he's going to open up the eyes of your understanding because it's for you to walk it out. But it's actually going to be for other people to benefit from. And if you don't take it up and you just leave it on the seat, you cozy that seat, and that's okay. You'll go to heaven and that's all good. You're not going to not lose your salvation over it. But I know there's something in your heart that wants to do greater things for God than where you are right now. And God's saying, your miracle and your breakthrough is in the seed of that prophecy. Hannah, Hannah wanted a baby. She cried out to the priest. She cries out to God at church. Oh, I want a baby. She didn't say, I want a baby, because she couldn't utter it. It was, ah, barren. And Eli said, 
May God grant you the petition you desire. She didn't receive a baby. You know what she received? A word. And that word created what? Faith. Faith comes by. And you know what she did? You know what she did, church? What was she after? A baby. Now, I'm no scientist, but you know what you've got to do to have a baby? <laughs> All right. She went home and had sex. <laughs> she took the word and applied it. I know, it's not rocket science, I'm sorry. God makes it really simple. Sometimes we over-spiritualize faith. And faith is just saying, God, I believe what you said. Let's give it a crack. Let's just give it a crack. Let's just give it a crack. There's the hand of God's on your life. What's your name? Yep. Grace? Here you go, look at that with a name like that. God's hand is on your life, man. You know, grace, people say grace means God's unearned, undeserved favor, Yeah? And you have all that on you. But you know, it actually means this as well. God's divine influence on your heart with its reflection in your life. And you are a woman of grace. And I feel like people around you are so encouraged when you turn up. You got this sense of, like my wife, she's like that too. I, I met her when I was like, well, she met me when I was a standard four. So we've known each other for a long time. When we left school, she used to walk into this room, and we never went out. We went boyfriend, girlfriend, nothing like that. But she used to walk into the room, and I just went, wow, I feel good knowing she was there. And you have such an influence on your life. And I feel like sometimes the devil tries to tell you and minimize your value and your worth. But I want you to know that God sees you, and he's saying that you are my, my grace. You are my grace to those that are around you. You're my grace to those who don't have grace. And God's going to use you to extend grace to those that are lost, that don't know him. You have such a significant part in this big jigsaw puzzle of what God wants to do. Yeah? But it starts here. Do you believe what God says about you? Do you know what I mean? I know you do. Yeah, that's right. And that's why God's going to use you mightily. Yeah? But don't let the devil rob your thoughts. Yeah? Because he's got plans for you. God's got massive plans for you. Are you dead? Yeah? Massive. Happy Father's Day. I can see like God preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies and all the naysayers and all, the, all these accusations and all that stuff. God's going, I'm going to prepare a table before you and you're going to feast and I want you to partake of this food that I'm going to give you. And the food he's going to give you is in the word of God. But it's not just going to be a written word of God that God's going to want you to get into because he wants you to get into the word. But he's actually going to become a teacher and the, and, the, and the word's going to become spirit and life to you. And you're going to articulate things that were not disclosed until you sat at the table because God's actually prepared something specifically for you to discover. But he's waiting for you to come and draw closer to him. Get your Bible off your couch or get wherever you put your Bible and just sit there with it and just go, God, what do you want to say? you got something for me to say. Well, you got to prepare a table, then let's go. Let's prepare. I'm here I am. And you're going to create an, a, a place where you and God are going to meet, and you're going to meet with God. He's going to come and sup with you. He's going to teach you, and you're just going to be, you're kidding me. And I think the only regret you're going to have is that you wish you'd done it years ago. But I want to tell you, you're on time. You're on time in the season of your life to do what God's called you to do. Amen. You're a good man. A good man. Good heart. 
bearing good fruit. But the fruit's not for you. It just needs you to walk it out. Amen? Good man. So good, eh? Amen. Amen. So who's excited for the new season? Amen. I'm excited. Sir, you have incredible wisdom that God's placed on you. And I feel like in this season, for you too, there's a crown that God's releasing over you. And it's, a, 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 it's just like authority. And, and just, it's, it's not that, there's so much that people are gonna pick from you in this next season of your life. That God wants you to realize that everything that you've accumulated over your life was never a waste of time. That you are so significant, more now than then. That this moment of your season, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm jealous for you because of what God's about to release over your life. Yeah? The, I know this is a cliche, and I don't say this lightly as a cliche, but truly the best is yet to come for you. It really, and you will smile. You will smile at the future because young people are going to come and glean of your wisdom. People are going to come and you're going to go, I actually have worth. My time has not gone. I'm not just going to sit in the queue. There is so much that you're going to speak into the life of a generation. You two are amazingly beautiful. You're loved of God. There's so much He's going to, there's well inside you of all this stuff. And it's like, man, what do I do with this? You know, just be you. And God will bring these people to you. And you'll find it will come out of a natural progression rather out of a, oh, got to turn up to a study group to do a study. You know, it's just going to be natural, relational, the way God's going to just really use you. Yeah, awesome. Amen. It's pretty cool, eh? I get to go home now and you have to go and do something with what God's saying to you. See, because you, he, I said this to the mouth, I say it to the church. It's, like, it's not law, it's not a word, it's not biblical, it's my thought, okay? That when you hear the word of God and you have an ear to hear what God say, not what the minister say, and if it resonates with you and you've received a revelation today that you previously didn't know, I think there's a window of about two weeks opportunity. Two weeks to take that word and do something with it. If you choose not to do something with that word that you've heard from God, it will drop from your heart to your head and the evil one will come and snatch that which was sown in your heart but not your head because he wants you to come to church. He don't mind you coming to church and going, amen, pastor, well done, well said. Hey, Corneda, go back to Australia. Because he knows that if you apply what you hear, transformation will come. He don't mind you sitting in the church powerless. So take the word that you hear this whole weekend, men. Whatever nugget you got, praise the Lord for the nugget. But the nugget ain't going to do you nothing unless you put it out into practice. 
the Word of God. Amen. Don't become hearers only, but doers. Some of you need to ask people for forgiveness. And it's hard, but it's the right thing to do because if you don't forgive, your Heavenly Father don't forgive you. I don't want to forgive. Well, Jesus, He didn't want to either. You know, Jesus didn't want to forgive. You know, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he chose to go to the cross. I don't know if you're familiar with Scripture, but it says that in the garden, he said, God, if it's possible, is there another way? Because he knew what was coming. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you have to choose today, church. Are you going to satisfy yourself or kill yourself? <laughs> not literally. Die to yourself, your own end, desires, and allow God to raise up His desires in you. Amen. Jacob, man, you bless my heart, man. God, who began a good work in you, will complete it. I just, I just feel like you're coming into another season of your life. And the past is the past. It's under the blood of Jesus. Amen? And God says that what I start, I'll finish. And if in your personal life, when your life, it doesn't feel like it's sort of finished yet, it's because it's not. That you're not going to warm the pews and that's it. <laughs> I know you think you want to, but... <laughs> But you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, my friend. And I love you. Bernie loves you. I love your family. You know? But I want you to know God loves you more. Because I love you heaps. My heart's wide open. But it does not compare to how much God loves you. Amen? Just want to encourage you with that.